You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thursday, December 16th, Just Baseball Show. Jack, Peter, we're going to keep on grinding through the Hall of Fame ballot because why not, right? And we got through all the junk that is in the first ballot, right? We got Alex Rodriguez there. We said, you know what? Like, that's the guy that gets in here. Let's talk about the people that have, in past years, accumulated enough of the vote to stay on the ballot. Everybody from the second year all the way to the 10th year has gotten at least 5% of the vote in each year they've been on the ballot. So these are like the guys that the argument is starting to really be made about their Hall of Fame case. They're like technically Hall of Famers? No. no. I mean, like they're not they're not technically Hall of Famers, but they are they are good enough to be on the ballot for another year, which is an incre- incredible accomplishment. Not only oh to God, make yeah. it to the ballot, but then to stay on the ballot, you are one of the great players of your era and you will go down remembered by fans everywhere. Kerry Wood appeared on the ballot for the first time a couple of years ago, and I remember Kerry Wood saying, well, I remember Kerry Wood saying, like, yeah, it's going to be fun being on the ballot for one year. <laughs> I'd be shocked <laughs> if anybody votes for me. And I think somebody did vote for Kerry Wood, and he, like, gave a fist pump. He was like, let's go. I got my vote. I'm good now. I can die a happy man. Another Cubs pitcher, I don't think Mark Pryor was ever on the ballot. No, I was I going mean, through pitching seasons, and in the early 2000s, he had some years where I was like, what the? That was crazy. He had yeah. like seven, eight war years, like best pitcher in baseball type years. It's just injuries. And that's what happens but, with a lot of these guys. And we're going to break into a lot of these guys where if they had just stayed healthy, if they had put together two or three more years, they might be Hall of Famers. But they didn't. And that's why we're going over them. Here's the thing, though. Mark Pryor was always the gold standard of what not to do mechanically as a pitcher. Like, you would (laughs) rank somebody. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, you would rank somebody like, you know, sturdy as hell to Mark Pryor. He was the very bottom of the ladder in terms of longevity as a pitcher just because he looked like he was going to spontaneously combust at any given moment when he was throwing a pitch. It was a lot like Steven Strasburg, you know what I mean? Mechanically, Mm -hmm. it's called the inverted W, where you've got your elbows up and both your 
like hands down below your elbows and it's just a whipping motion with your elbow and it looks like your forearm is gonna fly off your bicep and tricep on any given pitch and that's Mark Pryor's deal it sucked but he was so good with the Cubs he and Kerry Wood in the early 2000s oh my god oh my god and uh talk about spontaneously combusting I'm in Florida right now and the weather is so whack like it was 74 in the morning and then it has there's an incredible monsoon of rain and then it stops and then it's sunny again and then again it's raining for like 45 minutes and also i mean living in new york city global warming is killing us i mean it's like 60 and sunny in new york city in the middle of december yeah the weather is scaring me quite honestly the fact that it's so warm i mean i love it i love it when it's just warm and i don't have to worry about the snow and you don't have to wear a winter jacket all year, but it's scary and it's happening like really quickly. You know what you should do if you like that weather so much? Uh, I've heard California is a great place to live. Yeah, I'm going to be back there on Wednesday. Are you? Are you flying directly from Miami to Santa Barbara? Yes, I'm in Boca Raton right now with Aram. We're doing some business. Yeah, um, so I, explain what you yeah. guys are doing. You're you're trapping yourself in a room with no lights on, and you're just creating a think tank for a week. All of that, we do have lights on. I, you got to be able to see it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's basically a think tank. We got to cross some T's and dot some I's before we, you know, move into the new year with the business. Because you're seeing me make content all the time, but on the back end, we got to make this thing a real business. We got to contracts equity it would take too long to explain on this but it's a it's a lot and but it's it's interesting and it's fun but it's are we looking at somewhat an, stressful yeah are we looking at an llc an inc we are, are an llc a... and it's it's funny we're project the plate llc still we just kept it because we loved it <laughs> so we're not just baseball llc we're project the plate llc i love that but, and i'm thinking about the high school coach right the the meme somebody better <laughs> give me my money <laughs> give me my money Another thing that uh, kind of concerned with money, I have a something I heard. Let's do it. And this will relate back to um, some of the players that we're talking about, but that's not important right now. What's important is the something I heard. And the something I heard, it's not very long, but did you know that during Thanksgiving around that area, it might be slightly dated, but it's only a week or two old, that Joe Biden, because um, obviously people are concerned with rising gas prices, he released around 50 million barrels of oil from their reserves, from the U.S. reserves, okay, to combat rising gas prices. You know what Canada did? What they do? They don't have rising gas prices. I mean, they might have rising gas prices, but what this is concerned with is the fact that they have now had to dip into their maple syrup reserves. Oh, so no. they also around the time uh, around thanksgiving early december they dipped into 50 million barrels of maple syrup <laughs> while what? the u.s is imploding canada's running low on maple syrup they just need their sweet treats <laughs> i didn't know they have reserves and like so much maple syrup in re- 50 million barrels it's like scratching the surface with them it's crazy and they, I was reading this thing. They're talking about put more taps on trees. And that's, it's all environmental. Like, it's all about the seasons. And it's interesting. It's I just, when I but, saw the fact that the U.S. and their gas prices and then Canada's doing maple syrup, I was like, oh, God, we're so fucked. <laughs> but 
But, like, that's their product, right? That is their export. You know, Canada is their maple syrup. So, you know, the oil rigs in Texas that were, were blowing up and you say, <laughs> oh, darling. <laughs> right? I mean, that was, that was our jam in the 1950s. But Canada, they found their divine liquid and they're just <laughs> pumping it out worldwide. And, of course, they have reserves with that. Stop coughing. What are you doing? I, I know. I got something caught in my throat. What, I got okay. My voice has to be golden. I can't yeah. just be coughing and velvety and smooth. <laughs> and with COVID, I mean, the entire NFL is COVID. The whole, yeah, the, the whole everyone does. That's why my brother I'm and I to the Thursday night pick. Like, I don't know who to pick. Chargers, Chiefs. I don't know who has COVID or not. Right, right. How about listen? Just go against the Browns. I guess like it looks like Case Keenum's the starter now with Baker out and Stefanski out. You have no idea. Uh, my but brother is and Case I. Case Keenum actually better than Baker Mayfield. Maybe. I mean, Case Keenum, like, it feels like he just pulls the horseshoe out of his ass every time he needs to. He'll cover. Um, He'll cover. (laughs) My brother and I were going to go to Pistons Bulls on Tuesday night, but that was one of the two games that was postponed by the NBA because the Bulls have 10 guys in COVID protocol. That's two sets of a team on the floor. Like, that's your starting five and then your second string, all out with the Coco. That's craziness. It's craziness, and it doesn't seem like the vaccine matters because i mean i even saw that cornell university they're 97 percent vaccinated and yet they're going on lockdown like their whole school because it's just the covid outbreak i i just don't know what to do I, I we're in this similar stage where i don't know what to do Here, here's what to do uh get your get your shots get your boosters so you don't end up in the hospital and you don't die from covid like that is what the vaccine and the booster has done for everybody. So do that. And uh, you'll be good. If you test positive, that sucks. But you've got tons of people testing positive right now. Uh, But on a completely unrelated to COVID note, guess what I'm doing tonight for the first time in my life? What are you doing? I'm calling a hockey game. Dude. I... I just kind of learned hockey. I learned hockey over the last, like, 48 hours. I don't know much about hockey at all. Yeah, what what did you learn? Like, give me just the cliff notes of what you learned about hockey. So, like, icing is when <laughs> the this puck... is a sports podcast. <laughs> icing is when the puck passes three lines with, uh, without anybody touching it. I think I knew what offsides was, so I'm good on that front. I I know that you've got the neutral zone and the two attacking zones. Um, Patrick Kane was really good for the Blackhawks for a while. Uh, Sidney Crosby. Alex I learned what. So I learned when I look at a hockey stat sheet. If you see PPG, it's not points per game. It's power play goals. Ah. Yeah, and SH is not shutouts. That's shorthanded. Ah. Yeah. So thing is, I don't. <laughs> to... <laughs> see, I don't know shit about hockey because coming from California, we didn't even get an ice rink in our town until my senior year of high school. So when I came to Syracuse, I'm seeing all these people love hockey, and I'm like, oh, that sport's kind of sick. Like, playoff hockey is unreal. You didn't say it right. Playoff playoff hockey. Playoff Playoff hockey. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Should we talk baseball now? Yeah, we should. We should talk about the baseball and the Hall of Fame ballot. Um, You finish up the first ballot, guys. 
I've got three of the four guys appearing on the ballot for their second year. The only second balloter that we're not touching on in this episode is Bobby Abreu, but he will come soon. Don't you worry about Bobby Abreu. But, Peter, you mentioned maple syrup. You want to get us started with the first ballot guy? Justin Morneau. The decision to put Justin Morneau, at least in my eyes, is pretty clear-cut. Let's start with the good because this guy had an incredible five-year peak. In 2006, he was on top of the sport. He hit 321, hit 34 bombs, drove in 130 RBIs, and came away with his lone MVP award. Then, from 2007 to 2010, he went to four straight All-Star games, and his 162-game average was 26 bombs, 100 RBIs, while slashing 292, 371, with a 519 slugging, with an OPS plus of 137. He really was an incredible hitter. But here's the reality. He ranks 95th all-time among first basemen in war at 27.2 on baseball reference, behind current players like Jose Abreu, Paul Goldschmidt, Anthony Rizzo, Freddie Freeman, even Brandon Belt has a higher career war. He just wasn't all that good of a defender. He only hit 247 career home runs. He finished 400 hits shy of 2,000 after concussion problems shortened his career to just 14 seasons. He's a Twins Hall of Famer, but I'm afraid this might be his first and last year on the ballot. He shouldn't be afraid. He should know that it's coming. Justin Morneau, his career less than... Come on, dude. The I mean, more I fewer... get into this, the more I like these dudes. Like, the more yeah. I'm just like, ah, oh, maybe they could get in. Like, no, maybe. no, no. <laughs> but, like, let's be honest with Justin Morneau right now because he hit fewer than 250 home runs. He had fewer than 1,000 RBIs, and he was a career hitter 281. Like, that's not good enough. None of higher. I thought so, too, Wouldn't because he won a— he won a batting title, but he won it in Colorado. So does it really count as a batting title if you win it at Coors Field? Uh, his and MVP three, year? Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say he hit 345 in a season, but it was only 81 games. Like, that was just like, oh, we got to stay healthy more now. Right, right, right. His MVP year when he was 25, that was in 2006, the guy hit 321 with 34 bombs and 130 driven in, which is really good. But somehow his OPS was 934, which is a great OPS, but it's not an MVP OPS anymore. I don't, I don't understand like where yeah. he's lacking because he's lacking in it's something at all times. Yeah, it's the walks. I mean, he, he hit 324, but I think his on base that year was 371. Yeah, he just didn't walk enough. But <laughs> to tie it back into um, maple syrup, it's funny because Justin Morneau is now a farmer. And he was even asked, I'm reading this article from The Athletic, he was even asked if he wants to continue to play baseball, or like even if he likes baseball anymore. He's basically just like, no, I'm over it. My career is done. And what he does now, he's in Minneapolis on a farm raising chickens and making maple syrup and selling it. What the hell? (laughs) Yeah, that's what he's doing. you got to read this article on The Athletic. It's a great article. Um, This is his quote. If I was 25 and you told me I was living in Minnesota on a farm raising my own chickens and cows, I would have told you you were crazy. I still think he's crazy, but I kind of want to go get a beer with him. <laughs> I do so bad. I, like, I just like like him. Like, I, A lot of these guys, we highlight the best parts of their career, and we let you know that they probably won't be a Hall of Famer. But that's not the point of this 
podcast, and that's not the point of this segment, is not to just discredit people. It's to celebrate the players that were able to make the ballot and show you why they were phenomenal players and why you should keep them in your memory. So I just like him. Is he going to make the Hall of Fame? No, but eh, whatever. Yeah, no, it, it's it's going back and it's appreciating a good career. And and that's what mm-hmm. we like doing. We like appreciating guys. Uh, RM gives me shit because I love the phrase appreciate <laughs> greatness in real time. He gave me shit after the Fernando Tatis thing. But the See, reality is that. like, <laughs> yeah, but, but you know what I mean? When you watch Nick Saban inevitably win the national title this year, you're appreciating greatness in real time, right? That is the guy that is Tom, coming for Bear Bryant's head. Tom Brady is like 45. Right? Like that's, we have to understand that LeBron James, Mike Trout, we're in the presence of guys who will go down in the history books as the greatest of all time long after we're gone. So it's, it's like, like we get to watch them. We get to really absorb it all in. So appreciate that. Right. It's like being at a fancy schmancy dinner and the creme brulee comes out at the end and you're like, fuck, that's good. You're not going to yeah, bury like the insane. creme brulee. You're going to yeah. savor it. Yeah. Is Just creme brulee a Hall of Fame dessert? Probably yes. not. But are you going to say no? Oh, oh, first ballot Hall of Fame dessert, creme brulee. That's first ballot. I don't know. First ballot. Yeah. See, you put a brownie sundae in front of me. Anything with a brownie in it. That's my shit. Creme brulee's for the classy bitches like myself. I'm not there yet. I'm not Hollywood like you are, Mister Jack McMullen. I'm totally Hollywood. I've been Hollywood. <laughs> Let's talk about Tim Hudson, who is not Hollywood whatsoever. Uh, Tim Hudson played 17 seasons of Major League Baseball. <laughs> Hudson debuted with the Oakland A's in 1999. He was a wide-eyed 23-year-old after a decorated career with Auburn. He spent nearly a decade with the Atlanta Braves, and he tied a bow on his career with an all-star campaign and a World Series ring during a two-year stretch in San Francisco. Oakland was where his legacy started. In his rookie year, Hudson went 11-2 with a 3-2 ERA en route to a top-five finish in AL Rookie of the Year voting. A year later, how about his first All-Star nod? A 20-game winner. He finished second in AL Cy Young voting only to Pedro Martinez in his 1-7-4 ERA in 2000. What the hell? He'd finished top six in Cy Young voting three more times. He was a workhorse. Eight seasons totaling over 200 innings pitched. Hudson retired in 2015 with a career 3.49 ERA, 3.78 FIP, and 56.5 career war. He just skated by in year one on the ballot last year. He earned 5.2% of the vote. You need 5% to stay on the ballot, and he just got that in his first year. My guess is he stays on again, but he's not getting my vote because I look at the war. That's fewer than many guys that didn't get in. Frank Tanana, Brett Saberhagen, Cole Hamels. Hamels is still like, is he pitching? He probably won't get in, IMO. And the innings just don't really justify it. The only guy in the top 30 in war among pitchers that didn't throw more innings than Tim Hudson was Pedro Martinez. The innings aren't there. I don't think the legacy is there. (laughs) And Tim Hudson, really, really good pitcher. Not a Hall of Famer. Not a Hall of Famer. My biggest gripe with Moneyball was the fact that they, the movie Moneyball with Brad Pitt, they didn't even really talk about the pitching in Oakland. No. The I, Tim they Hudson, mentioned... Mark Mulder, Barry Zito, like these guys. Th- that was like p- 
like a main reason the A's were so good back then, and they just they had it was like no, it's just on base percentage, but like they had incredible young pitching. Yeah, I mean, like they they brought up you know Isringhausen, Jason Giambi, mm-hmm. Johnny Damon. Like mm-hmm. they were like, oh yeah, they left. You got to remember that they had some hammers too. I mean, hammers. Carlos Pena, he was good, but like Tim Hudson, Barry fucking Zito in that curveball. They were so good. Barry Zito was so good. And Tim Hudson was so good. And Tim Hudson probably had the best career of all of them. Yeah. I'd say so. Right? I'd yeah. say so too. Also, Tim Hudson, pitching coach at Auburn. He was Casey Mize's pitching coach at Auburn. Interesting. And ever yeah. since then, Casey Mize gets in the major leagues and he's good. Is he? <laughs> We've had this conversation. I'm sipping the Casey Mize Kool-Aid. I just... Dude, you're with me. You gotta roll with me. I know. I know. I like him. I like him. I just... Everything I see, I'm like, oh, crap. Like, just like... His stuff isn't that good. And it's like... Dude, but yes, it is. You look at the splitter. It's like, oh my God. How does anybody make contact with that? And then you look at Savant and you look at the metrics. You look at the spin of it and you're like, okay, that, that isn't gushing blood. But... I mean, I just watch it. And I know. I'm like, oh, that's the that Casey care. Mize split. You know what? Fuck it. I'm in. I don't oh, care. Let's go. That's Casey Mize. Yeah. Tim, Tim Hudson's protege. Yeah. I'm, I'm in. Casey Mize. All right. But let's talk about another twin legend. Joe Nathan is one of the more interesting players on the ballot. Was he super exciting to watch? Not particularly. Did he have electric stuff? Eh, not really. Did he have a ton of playoff success? No. Not even a little bit. But he's got an outside shot at the Hall of Fame, and I'm going to tell you why. He currently sits at 19th among all relievers in war. Not great, but it's right above Raleigh Fingers, who is in the Hall of Fame. Among those top 20 in war, he is one of seven with a career ERA under three. He's one of six with at least 350 saves. And among those 20, only Mariano Rivera, Billy Wagner, and Joe Nathan have a career ERA plus over 150. Huh. Even saying this, it will be very challenging for Joe Nathan to make the hall. If Billy Wagner somehow doesn't make it, his chances are literally zero. He failed to throw a thousand innings in his career. So you have to be so uber dominant to make it. And even though those stats I said earlier are extremely impressive, I'm still not totally sold that he was at that level of dominance. But nonetheless, Joe Nathan is one of the best relievers of the 21st century and deserves some damn respect on his name, honestly. I agree with you. And Joe Nathan was like kind of the last guy that can go more than an inning to go get a save. You know what I mean? You've like got he's guys way fucking better than Papelbon. Oh my God! Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. He should get. Yeah. I mean, if Papelbon gets negative two votes, Nathan should get one. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's Jonathan Papelbon like does not sniff Joe Nathan and Joe Nathan. You, you know, part of why I dinged Papelbon on our last episode that we did together was because he never had that crazy dominant season that earned him Cy Young recognition. And Joe Nathan finished top five in Cy Young voting twice. So Nathan was really dominant. He was top 15 in MVP voting one year. So he was the guy where like the twins turned it over to him after Johan or Liriano went seven and somebody who cares who it was bridged the gap through the eighth and Joe Nathan came out or Joe Nathan came out in the eighth and it's like, oh, six outs. He's got it easy. He was 
really, really good. He was great as a reliever some years, but he was really, really good for pretty much the entirety of his career. Hall of Famers yeah, need to be great. Solid. Yeah. yeah. But Hall of Famers need to be great for the entirety of their yeah. career. Yeah. Mm. And and just to define what ERA plus is, because we, we, we haven't used that metric a lot, but I actually really do like it because what ERA plus is, and I'm reading off the MLB.com definition so I don't screw it up. ERA plus <laughs> takes a player's ERA and normalizes it across the entire league. It accounts for external factors like ballparks and opponents and then adjusts it. So a score of 100 is league average and 150 is 50% better than league average. So for his career... He was fifty. He was fifty-one percent better than the league average reliever. So, for example, Mariano Rivera's two-point-two-one career ERA was one hundred and five percent better than the MLB average during that time he pitched in. It's including adjustments for park and league, which gives him Mariano Rivera a two hundred and five ERA plus, which is the best of all time among relievers. Yeah, that's that's really solid. What was Jacob Degrom's ERA plus this year before he got hurt? Like um, 670 or something ridiculous. <laughs> I'm going to find it right now. But you know what? Before we move on from Joe Nathan, shout out Stony Brook, uh, the pride of Stony Brook University on Long Island. Good for you, Joe Nathan, for making the Hall of Fame ballot. Uh, yeah, claps up for Joe I Nathan. I think he's going to stay. I actually think he's going to get 5% of the vote. That's a hot take, we but I think see. he will. Jacob deGrom's ERA plus this year before he got hurt was 373. <laughs> His first of two Cy Youngs in a row, his ERA plus that year, that was 2018 when he had the 170 ERA and he was 10 and 9. His ERA plus was 218. <laughs> what do you think Jacob deGrom's ERA is since 2018? Uh, do you have the number? Mm-hmm. I'm not looking at his baseball reference right now. Um, I'll go since the start of 2018. Like 2018. Yeah, the start of 2018. Like there's been a lot of years. Was his first Cy Young 2017 or 2018? I just said it. I'm not remembering. Not t- not telling you. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, his first Cy Young Because I don't want that to skew. Ah, yeah. <laughs> is it is it <laughs> 215? 194. No way. Yup. Sub-2 <laughs> ERA over the last two and Four a half seasons. years, pretty much? Yeah, COVID and all that stuff. And he got hurt in 2021, 20, but... Yeah. That's that's dumb. That's dumb. That's stupid. That's oh, stupid. my God. That's so stupid. Let's talk about Tori you know, you know who leads in home runs since 2018? I saw this. Eugenio Suarez. Uh, no. I believe that because uh, he hit like 45 in 2019. Like 50 home runs one year. I mean, yeah, he, yeah. he really did go off. But I just, when I saw that, I was like, huh? Eugenio Suarez? Yeah. I, I thought it was weird that Max Muncie and Matt Olson were on that list, too. I was like, what? That's the thing, too. When I was I was like, if you quizzed me on that, I would have only gotten Arenado and Nelson Cruz, who are the other two players on that list. So that five, yeah. it's Eugenio Suarez, Nelson Cruz, Nolan Arenado, and Matt Olson and Max Muncie are both tied with 118. Yeah, I guess who else would you guess right now, though? Because like all the home run leaders from this year are like, 18 years old <laughs> I was I, it was funny when when I looked at the potential stat I was like in my head I was like is Edwin Encarnacion like somehow <laughs> still on the list even though like Man. he didn't even play because it just seems like he pops up on every single home run leaderboard that we've seen in the past 21st century right amen uh let's talk about Tory Hunter mm-hmm. Tory Hunter is one of the greatest defensive outfielders of all time 
Roberto Clemente leads all outfielders with 12 gold gloves over the span of his career. Willie Mays comes next with 11. Ichiro, Andrew Jones, and Ken Griffey Jr. have 10 apiece. Then, say hello to Torrey Hunter and his nine gold gloves. Craziest thing, all nine gold gloves for him came in consecutive seasons. Torrey debuted as a 21-year-old. He retired at the age of 39. That's 19 years in a major league uniform. 12 with the Twins, 5 with the Angels, 2 with the Tigers at the very end. This man finished five bags shy of 200 in his career. But 353 bombs ain't bad to show for a career either. Underrated that he hit 350 home runs. The five-time All-Star won two silver sluggers. One is a 33-year-old with the Angels, and the other in Detroit at 37 years old. His career slash line, it doesn't look too hot. He was a 277 hitter with an OPS under 800. His 50.7 war are on the lowest rung of the ladder, considered to be Hall of Fame caliber. But listen, Torrey Hunter was electrifying. Who can forget him robbing Barry Bonds in the All-Star game? And he's deserving of the 10% he got in his first year on the ballot in 2020. But the lack of wow factor offensively, paired with the lack of October heroism, is just holding me back from checking his box. He's probably not a Hall of Famer. Hall of Very Good. Hall of Very, very good. If Andrew Jones somehow doesn't make it, again, another guy who has zero shot. Because Andrew Jones, I feel like, was just a better version of Torrey Hunter. I think he was a better defender, and he had 434 career home runs. Like, that's just the reality of the situation. But Torrey Hunter was not, I mean, that's not his only thing that he just hit home runs. But you talked about the slash line, the OPS, the OPS plus. It's just not, it's not enough. And he was a phenomenal defender. I He's going to continue to stay on the ballot. I just don't think he'll ever get 75%. But I mean, awesome. Like you say, not, I was surprised with 353 home runs, but then thinking more about it, I'm like, I'm not that surprised because he really was incredible for such a long time. What well, do you have any idea what his 162 average is? Because he did it 353 home runs in nine in 19 seasons. So if I remember correctly, it was like 15 to 20, maybe 25 on a good day. That's what it felt like for Torrey Hunter. Torrey Hunter's 162-game average here, 24 bombs, 95 RBIs, 13 bags, okay. hitting 277 with a 793 OPS. You know, it's not too shabby. Yeah, but the thing is, like, he just, I don't know. There Obviously, there was this wow defensively, but, you mm-hmm. know, you never really looked at Torrey Hunter like he could be the best player in baseball. I wonder if he leads MLB history and robbed home runs. He might. <laughs> he might. 19 seasons in center field, he might be one of the greatest robber of a home run that we've ever seen. 100%. Right? Um, yeah, like my thing is with, with Torrey Hunter, with Joe Nathan, with these guys that are just missing, I vote uh, that while the Hall of Fame stays in Cooperstown, there should actually be a Hall of Very Good and like Schenectady where every guy that has ever appeared on a ballot <laughs> just like yeah just has like a printed out picture on like black and white xerox paper and just slapped on a wall in Schenectady and it's like these guys all made the ballot at some point but really they never good. got in yeah <laughs> i wonder 
who is the greatest player of all time to not make the ballot or to not make the Hall of Fame? To not is make the Hall of Griff? Fame? Uh, we could dive into that. I mean, let's do that next week. We'll do, yeah, we'll go over that. That's a, you know, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's an entire podcast episode. That's respecting that's the best podcast. of, that's the best of the rest. That's totally the best that of the is. rest. It's like in the NBA, best players never to win a ring. You know, you look at Steve Nash, you look at Allen Iverson, you look at Carmelo Anthony, like those types Charles of guys. Barkley. Right? Yeah. Barkley. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It, Torrey Hunter, not a Hall of Famer. Sorry. You know who should be a Hall of Famer? Big Poppy, David Ortiz. Let's start with the issue of steroids when we talk about David Ortiz's Hall of Fame case, because that's really the only reason he wouldn't garner at least 75% of the vote. David Ortiz's only connection to possible steroids came in 2003 when the New York Times leaked a list of names that supposedly failed a voluntary, voluntary drug test. Names were meant to be kept anonymous, and we still don't know for sure what he actually tested positive for. He was not on the Mitchell Report in 2007. He was not a part of the Balco scandal in 2003. So we can't actually ever prove he took steroids. He didn't fail a test. At least, you know, not voluntary and not anonymous. But let's get to the goods. David Ortiz is one of the clutchest players in MLB history. He's a three-time champion. He's a World Series MVP, an ALCS MVP, which is too many go-ahead or walk-off home runs to count. He is a 10-time All-Star. He finished top five in MVP voting five times as a DH. He surpassed the 500 home run threshold with 542 and stands with an incredible career slash line of 286. 380 and a 552 slugging percentage. He's one of the greatest hitters of the 21st century, and it would be criminal to keep him out of the Hall of Fame. That's my Good point, on. Peter. That's my opinion on it. He and Sammy Sosa, it's funny. They didn't, like, they, it's, there's such a difference in the way that they're compared in, in the steroid era because. From my research, it doesn't seem like Sammy Sosa actually ever failed something that wasn't voluntary. Like, he didn't say, oh, like, A-Rod failed. Braun failed. Like, these guys didn't fail. They were just caught up in it. And did Sammy Sosa probably take steroids? Yes. Yeah, probably. Yeah, like, totally. But, like, <laughs> it's, but like there's other guys already in the Hall of Fame for that have done steroids. Like, you think Pudge did steroids? Yes. He's in look the at his fame. frame. Like, look at his frame as his career yeah. progressed. Um, so, my f- and David Ortiz has, like, the least. Like, he, and he's so well-liked, which is important with the writers. Like, we don't think it's important, but how you are with the media, they remember. And especially his post-playing career days. He's just such a well-liked personality. And even as a Yankee fan... David Ortiz, I have the utmost respect. Probably the Red Sox I respect the most that I've ever watched. He was the definition of clutch. I could watch Poppy saying, this is our fucking city on loop. <laughs> I could watch him saying that on loop. I mean, that was amazing. 
one he, of my favorite Sports Center commercials was when uh, he the, he puts on the Yankee hat and then yeah. he sees the Red Sox mascot like walk by and he's like, Wally, Wally, it's not what it, it's not what it means. <laughs> but well, I just Poppy I was, really do love him. Yeah, he was always this larger than life character, and you know every flaw that Manny Ramirez had on the playing field or off the playing field, right? Like Poppy kind of made up for it with like the smile. I mean, Poppy, it's. It's crazy to see uh, that big of a man that hits a ball that hard be so jovial and well-liked. Um, yeah. I mean, think about it. That's a native of the Dominican Republic who a lot of people would say like, oh, yeah, you're from Boston. <laughs> that, that's what Poppy Literally. is. Yeah. That, David Ortiz like is the peak Bostonian, and he does not sound like a Bostonian whatsoever. Um you know, I'll I'll never forget at the tail end of Poppy's career because like his last year, the way he went out was absolutely stupidly insane. I mean, Poppy as a forty-year-old finished sixth in MVP voting, and <laughs> I mean, he led Major League Baseball in OPS. He had a one thousand OPS as a forty-year-old. This guy, I was at one of his games at Fenway that year, and he walked up to fuck with me. You know, I got it by Rick Ross, and they mm-hmm. didn't bleep out the F word. Like they, they just let it roll at Fenway. And I was like, what's going on here? But that's what Poppy was like. Poppy just earned that. He could listen to whatever song he, he wanted walking up to the plate. Um, I, I mean, he gets my vote 11 times out of 10. He was just gets my vote 100%. Right. He was larger than life. And you think about the security guard putting his hands up in the opposing bullpen when he hits that bomb in the ALCS. Like there are moments here where, you know, you look at the Hall of Fame and you say you, you need moments. Yes, you need the career accolades. He's got the career accolades. You also need the moments. And mm-hmm. we will see you later tonight is a moment. Mm-hmm. Security guard throwing his hands up is a moment. His speech mm-hmm. after the Boston Marathon bombing is a moment. Like, you've got yeah. all of this stuff. Um, I mean, he gets my vote every time. It's funny, too. <laughs> I was just looking at his stats in that last year. 86 extra base hits. Yeah. 40-year-old hit 315, 48 doubles, 38 home runs. Mm. He was like Tom Brady in Tom Brady City. Legend. I mean, just a legend. Like, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. I mean, 10 of his last 13 seasons, he had at least 30 bombs. 41, 47, 54, 35, 30, 30. I mean, legend, legend, legend. This one, this is hard. This is this is so hard for me to look at with a non-biased lens. So I'm going to lean on you for the yes or no decision when I'm done. Mark okay. Burley is my favorite player of all time. Like, I've made that very clear. I've recounted his hour and 54-minute duel with Chris Sale as a 35-year-old already. I remember watching Dwayne Wise juggle a ball on the warning track live on July 23rd, 2009. I remember April 18th, 2007 against the Rangers when he walked Sammy Sosa in the first inning, promptly picked him off on like the first pitch of the next hitter, and then finished off a no-hitter right after that. Mark Burley had five all-star appearances, four gold gloves, that crazy between-the-legs glove flip to Canerco where he caught it with the bare hand on opening day. He got a World Series ring in 2005. This guy threw for 16 years in Major League Baseball. His rookie year, Burley worked out of the bullpen as a 21-year-old. 
in years 2 through 15 in his career, he never logged fewer than 200 innings. In his final season at 36 years old, he logged 198 and two-thirds innings. So he was so close to 15 full seasons of Major League Baseball, 15 years of at least 200 innings. He was a workhorse. He finished his career with a 3.81 ERA, five strikeouts per nine, and two walks per nine. Get on the mound, roll three ground balls and five pitches, get off the mound. His career war of 60 flat is sandwiched between Hall of Famers Jim Bunning and Hal Newhouser. It's less than two wins off of Juan Marichal and CC Sabathia. He was not a postseason performer. Despite the ring, he has an ERA over four in his playoff career. He only earned Cy Young votes once, and that was a fifth-place finish in 2005. So the winner narrative isn't there. But my thing is, the uniqueness of his game is, and I just fucking love him. He got 11% of the vote in his first year on the ballot. If any ounce of your being, Pete, wants to check him off, I'd love to have him on the Just Baseball ballot. Okay. 60 war sticks with me. That matters. Everything else... I mean, two, three, eight, one career, right? 1.28 career whip. Like, I know, I understand but that he was a workhorse. Listen, the stats are all below average for Hall of Famers. But what did I just got? What did I just get done saying about Poppy? Right? I said that Poppy had the stats, but he also had the moments. Yeah. Mark Burley had the moments. But Mark Burley had plays. I don't know if he had moments. He had moments for you. I don't know if he had like. David a Ortiz perfect game like and a no-hitter aren't the moments? I mean... The Dwayne Wise there's catch? A lot of, there's a, yeah, but that's Dwayne Wise catching. But Hawk like, Harrelson saying yes like 10 times in a row after that ground ball? God, I mean, is it just like me like having tunnel vision on this guy every time he threw? Well, it's well. First of all, like he is phenomenal. Like I'm not going to say he's not. Like he he he's he's a he's a White Sox legend, but like when I look at the rest of the ballot, like the, this ballot, there's the greatest players of all time. Like there's incredible players, and especially if we're gonna be the podcast to kind of let these steroid guys in, yeah. Like there's just no way he's gonna make it in over Man- like him or Manny Ramirez. Oh, well, Manny, but like, here's the, okay, here's the thing. But like, you have Can 10 do... spots, that's the thing. We only yeah, have 10 yeah, spots. I know, I know Pete. When we <laughs> fill out the ballot, when we fill out the ballot and we get to nine, can we slap Burley on as the 10th? <laughs> if, if, oh God. Like, there's just, I mean, we can go through it right now, like Scott Rowland or. No, we're not going through it right Barry now. Barry Bonds or A Rod. Like, there's, there's a, there's just. Uh, we'll make a decision later. Right now, it's a tentative no, but we don't know what maybe our tunes change. Maybe he has a moment in the media before the next time we talk. Maybe he comes out and he's like, I know how to defeat COVID or something. Something crazy. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to make it. I'm going to go crawl into a fetal position on the floor of my shower. And every link you need is in the episode description. (laughs) And Peter, do you want to rip my heart out one more time? (laughs) 
Thank you, everybody. Bye.